0: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else? I am your host, Caitlin. As you know, this is a story-based podcast about our shared human experience. So today we have Stacey Morgan on to share her story. She is the author of The Astronaut's Wife. And yes, that is literal. She is an actual astronaut's wife whose husband launched into space for nine months. It's so fascinating. Like I had no understanding of space whatsoever before reading her book. I loved talking to her. She is so engaging and fun. She talks all about her story of what that was like for her and her family, sending her husband off to space, which is a very unique experience. But we also talk about just some really regular human stuff like fear, friendship, community, risk-taking, not letting our inner critics control us. And you know, I said this to Stacy in the interview, but I said, Stacy, like your story is oddly relatable, which is strange, right? Because I really doubt that many or any of our listeners have ever launched their spouse into space, but the way she talks just so vulnerably about things that she was thinking and feeling, and things she had gone through as a mom, as a friend, as a spouse. It's just, it's so relatable. There's so much good stuff in this book and in this interview. I absolutely know that you're going to love it. If you love this interview and you want to go on to read Stacy's book, The Astronaut's Wife, um, it is available anywhere you get your books. But there is also an audible version, which is actually read by Stacy, which is really cool. I think that audiobooks read by the author are just so much better. So remember, you can always go to audibletrial.com slash SWE, audibletrial.com slash SWE to get a free trial. You could download The Astronaut's Wife. And a really cool thing is that all of the proceeds from her book are going to a nonprofit that helps military families. So it's a good cause. So definitely consider doing that and enjoy this interview. Stacey, welcome to So What Else. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. I've been reading your book. I'm not like done, done, but I'm very, very close to being done. And I love it. I am like tearing through it because I think that you might be, I don't want to make anybody else feel bad, but I feel like this might be the most interesting, the most unique interview I've ever done. Like you are married to an astronaut, a real live astronaut who lived in space. Yeah, it's really um,
1: wild. You've set a little bit of a high bar there for this conversation. <laughs> but I will admit, I mean, sometimes it the, the, was fun in the process of writing the book to be able to kind of pull back and look at the story kind of from a different perspective because when you're in it, I mean, we've been down here in Texas at Johnson Space Center for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so we're surrounded by people who do the same thing. Like our Literally our neighbors, our best friends, yeah. are all other astronaut families. And so sometimes we forget how, um, weird it is. Yeah. (laughs) I I bet. Yeah. I mean, our kids don't even like think about how weird it is because their friends, you know, like people would come up to my kids when, when Drew was in space and they'd be like, Oh, isn't it just crazy that your dad's in space or doesn't. And they were like, they kind of like slow blink at them and then be like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like my friend's dad went last year and my other friend's mom is going next year. So like, It's normal for us. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, That's so crazy. But like, literally, like the whole time I was reading your book, I kept shouting out things to my husband. Like, I would be like, oh my goodness, did you know that actually (laughs) like, this is where like the rocket takes off from and blah, blah, blah. Like, and he was like in, he was like, I can't wait for this movie. This is so interesting because it really like, honestly, here in Jersey, we don't even really have like, active military. You know what I mean? Like, there's not right. really much of that. So, like, I remember having a friend at church a few years ago whose husband was active military, and she was, like, a unicorn. Like, it was like, <laughs> right. oh, your husband is deploying? Like, and everyone was like, what should we do to help her? Like, it was like we had never, <laughs> right. like, met someone like that before, which is, like, so ridiculous, because it's like your life is, like, the opposite. Like, that's, right. like, all the people in your life are, like, that's right, astronauts or active military or whatever.
1: That's right. Yeah, you are a little bit in a in a, a funny space, but yeah, you know, that's not unusual though here because even when we first moved here, as um, I, I'm sure you'll remember, I wrote in the book like we move, even though we are still active duty, and there are many astronauts who are still active duty. This isn't the Houston area is not a big military area, yeah. and so before we moved here. We really had only lived in military areas where mm-hmm. all of our friends and neighbors and coworkers, workers everyone around us was either currently in the military or at least had a strong affiliation with the military. Sure. So when we moved down here and um, I met neighbors and they're like, it, I, I kind of realized like, oh my gosh, these people really, I'm like the only military person they've ever met. And so- yeah. When we, when I would say things like, "Oh, well, when Drew was in Afghanistan or was in Iraq, whatever," they'd like look at me like, "Oh my gosh," you know, like things that they had only read about in the news. And um, it took a little bit of time to kind of overcome that like us versus them mentality. But Mm -hmm. I think on both sides, like when you only watch news or movies, you have a very skewed view of what people in the military are like. Totally. And if you've only lived within the military community some of those questions that they have feel almost like uncomfortably like Mm -hmm. are you pitying me Are are you sure are you going to ask me weird questions about like justification for the war (laughs) or something that is like so outside the scope of my like who cares so totally so it was weird and it took some time to kind of get over that and kind of be like okay I, I'm comfortable sharing our per- experiences. I don't have to answer that question, or be like, "That's kind of a stupid question." <laughs> like, right? Let no, me totally. help you. Let me help you rephrase that so we can actually have a conversation.
0: Yeah, like I remember reading in your book, you said somebody like in the first second that you met them, like you were like, "Oh, like my husband when he was in Afghanistan." They're like, <gasps> "Does he have PTSD?" Like, yeah. just like, and you write, like, uh. Hello, like that's right. Hi, Stacey. She was lovely. It's just mm-hmm. a lovely neighbor who
1: I don't have anymore. <laughs> so, <sorry. laughs> but she was super lovely. And she meant that question from the bottom of totally like, 30 Because look, if you don't know anybody, every article you read is like there's mm-hmm. all these terrible things that are happening to soldiers and their families. And all those things are true, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of context there, you know, and, and so, she, but she only knew what she, what she'd read or seen. Totally. And so she was, you know, I think she was a little bit concerned, like, oh my gosh. Um, and yeah. so it was like a little bit reassuring to be like, it's okay. We're, it's fine. <laughs> totally.
0: No. Yeah. Like,
1: like that is a very real issue that many people face, but don't yeah. worry. We're
0: okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're yeah. Right. Neighbors. I loved reading about like your friendship journey. Like, cause I loved reading about the friendships you had when you said, like when you guys were living in areas where it's like, it was like all active duty. And like, you were living in that one particular area where you were basically in like, kind of like a cul-de-sac with like all women whose husbands were all gone at the same time. And you all had identical homes. And there was like that one situation where the one- just had a baby while her husband was away and she was like really deeply struggling and you and your friend like went in there like hardcore and like helped her like get it together. Like you put the kids to bed, like you got them cleaning their rooms. Like I loved it. I loved it so much.
1: Yeah. That was a really interesting situation that I certainly was not you know, looking, seeking out by yeah. any stretch. We were little, like you said, living in a cul-de-sac of, uh, on a military base. And so mm-hmm. the way they do the, what house you're assigned is based on the rank of the service member and how many kids you have. Okay. So every, that that means that you get plopped down usually right. in a street of people who are of similar age, because, you know, the rank is going to have some age connection there. Yeah. And, and also, the, you know, you've got kids there. So, I mean, it was, we had an outrageous number of kids on that street. It was really fun. <sighs> And it's very tight, like tight quarters. So, you know, the houses are really close and I became really good friends with these two women. And one of them, like you said, about maybe a year after we'd known each other, her husband deployed, that's standard, Mm -hmm. not, you Uh know, not, not a big deal. He, He deployed for about nine months. And, um, then she had a baby about a month later and it was kid number five. Oh. And, you know, like, you know, I think I wrote in there like to our civilian friends that was like the tragedy, you know, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, believe yeah. it. And we're, meanwhile, all, every military wife's like over in the corner, like smoking a cigarette, like what? <laughs> you know, like, uh, OK, like, look, you're like you are genuinely lucky if like my husband was literally in the United States, in the hospital with me for the birth of all four of our kids. Oh wow. That's Yeah, actually kind of unusual yeah. for a family and over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so I have so many friends who their husband watched the birth over Skype, over you wow. know, there's so many jokes like, oh, there's probably like, you know, bootleg copies of my yeah, birth seriously? video
0: <laughs> 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 on the internet.
1: Someone's yeah. going to download That's right. this. That's right. Delightful. That's right. But when she came home, our my friend Amber came home with kid number five and just like whenever you have a baby, doesn't matter all the other variables in your life. Like it's tough. You know, you're yeah. so tired, you're exhausted. She was nursing. And then she had these, um, like all these other kids. <laughs> and and <laughs> like her, them. yeah, her teenager who was supposed to be helpful was just being a typical, mm-hmm. unhelpful teenager yeah. and also kind of like getting herself in some trouble and just making a mess. And, you know, it, the wheel started to come off. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it only because we were living in this tight situation together. And Mm -hmm. my friend Amber, she, she's amazing. She's a former Marine. So she does not get any tougher than this woman, you know? And so like it, but she, she was drowning. Like life had gone off the rails. She was Mm -hmm. on her own. And I will admit though, when I started seeing all the, like these little red flags, you know, Mm -hmm. trash not being taken out, lights on really, really late at night, like Mm -hmm. way longer, way later than they should when you've got kids. Um, You know, just these these little things that I only noticed because I was right there living life intimately with her. Other people who saw her like at our mops group or whatever probably didn't notice anything. She was dressed. She had, you Mm -hmm. know, her hair was pulled back like she wasn't crying in the corner or like rocking back and forth. Right. But she was putting on a really good show. But I knew something was up just because I was... I knew her so well and was living right there, but I was nervous about walking across the street and knocking on her door because, you know, you value your friendship so much because especially for adult women, they are rare, you know, to have somebody that you love this dearly and you, and you enjoy spending time with them and they're not weird or whatever. Totally. And it felt like, what if I go over there and I knock on her door and she tells me to pound sand? like, how dare you get in my business or, or, or no, I'm fine. What do you think? I'm some kind of like, I can't handle my life. Like, I mean, all the things that my brain, my brain was like, there's a very real possibility. That's how she's going to respond. And then your friendship will be over. And then you will have lost, Mm -hmm. you know, this wonderful thing in your life. And so maybe it's just better if you not say anything because Mm -hmm. she hasn't asked for your help. She like, surely she would say something if she was struggling, mm-hmm. surely she would tell you you're her friend, like, you know, all these excuses. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I put it off for like over yeah. a week, almost two full weeks. Like I was like, I'm so all <laughs> just yeah, like, I'm yeah. all kinds of reasons. Totally. And it was like, God just kept poking me in the back of the head mm-hmm. until those little pokes became like punches in the back of the head. Yeah. And it literally got to the point where I was so bothered, like internally in my mm-hmm. soul that I literally remember saying to God, like, if I just okay, I will go over there if you like leave me
0: alone. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, will you let me sleep at night again if I go yes. there? And I went over there and um I kind of like knocked on the door and kind of like formally asked to come in. So she knew like something was up and um, she jokingly calls it her intervention now when we talk about it, but you know, the house was a disaster, Yeah, which I, you know, like, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. surprising now knowing what we know. And I said, Hey, you know, I don't know what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's like a big lesson in this is like, people think like, well, I need to know what's going on before I step in. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually not true. <laughs> like right. I, yeah. I knew, I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what, so I literally just said, I don't know what's going on here, but mm-hmm. I love you and you're my friend. And I want to help you. So I'm here to ask you, is is something going on? Mm-hmm. Like, I need to know. And yeah. she looked at me for a, a, a long minute, um, I think, to kind of really assess whether I was being sincere or not. Because mm-hmm. so many people throw out that, like, I want to help you. And yeah, really, yeah. You know what I mean? And then she just started crying. And like it just, and it all came out and that's how we learned the full scope of how like the, you know, the wheels had come off. And so, yeah, this the third friend in our little triad of um, besties there on the street, she and I, like, we were like, all right. And I said, I said, um, do you want me to come over here and be the bad guy? And in my mind, I'm like, please say yes, please say yes. (laughs) You're like jumping at the I'm like, oh, like we're going to clean this up, you know, as a doer. You're like, yes, please take me off off the leash, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, yes. And in that moment, I I didn't quite realize it till later, but like how brave she was Mm. to be like, because in that moment she was giving us full reign to come in and see the full scope of the mess. See it all. Yeah. And like get in there and like see how poorly behaved her children were acting, how messy her house was like like to see the full consequences of some of her decisions. Sure. You know, which now she regretted, you know, but it's right. like, but she she was so vulnerable and yet so brave to let us see that, that I I, I think about that often. Cause I'm like, yeah, my tendency is like, let's close the doors. want to hide all this stuff. Because yeah. what will my friends think if they see like how badly I screwed this up, they'll like walk away. Mm-hmm. And so she let us come in and we did for about, for several months, um, we, one of us was over there mm-hmm. every night. We put rules in place where we were like, we will be the bad guy. So you don't have to like, it was just hard for, you know how
0: it is when you're just yeah. hard, tired of, of h-
1: being the bad guy and you totally. just really want someone else to like, like when you turned your husband and you're like, you feel free to chime in yeah, anytime. Yeah. You
0: know, And you're in.
1: And it's your turn. yeah, Yeah, your turn. And so we were like, all right, you know, you go in your room at night. For example, here's one of the things we told her. You go mm-hmm. in your room at night at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. and you lock the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if anyone anyone knocks on the door, because by that time, our, the kid, we would have put those kids to bed like an hour or two earlier. Yeah. At, at like by far, they should be in bed, dead asleep. So if anybody knocks on that door,
0: mm-hmm. unless
1: you smell smoke and- like feel fire. Like you have to, it has to be both. Like yeah. then do not open that door. You literally yeah. text us and one of us will come over here. And if we have to pry that kid's hands off your doorknob, we will yeah. do it. But like, you need your rest. You need yeah. to go to sleep. And yeah. these little hellions are not going to stop you from doing that. So we will do that. Yeah. And that's what we did. And if her light was on too late, because we could mm-hmm. see those lights and we knew right. exactly because we're right there. We're mm-hmm. like, what are you doing up? And we're yeah. like, what are you doing up? Close that, turn that light off. Like there's nothing you need to be doing right now. And it just took someone to be like, hey, because we love you. We're yes. not judging you. We're not because we love you so much. And that's what we said to the kids we love your mom so much that we don't care how unhappy we're about to make you. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, like, because, yeah, you've been living your best life over here. Like, mm-hmm. eating whatever you want. Yeah, sure. Sna- yeah, leaving snack wrappers and all over the place. Yeah. Going going to bed whenever you want. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you've been living the life, you guys. But guess what? You're six years old, so the party's over. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. That's right, because we love your mom and we yeah. love your family. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take care of you. And, and we did. So we just created Margin... Mm-hmm. you know for her to rest and heal and just until she could get her own feet back underneath her there wasn't some kind of like pity charity case it was just sure. friends loving friends until she could get her on her own two feet again which she which she did after a mm-hmm. couple months and and then it was great and you know we had mm-hmm. a lot of like good laughs about it <laughs> after the fact and Certainly took our relationship to the next level because yeah. you, you can't get into that deep into someone's personal life without totally. going there. Totally, but it was it was awesome, and I and I think about it all the time, and I and I tell her. To this day, and about a hundred times when I was writing the book and I was writing that chapter, and I'd be like, Amber, mm-hmm. I'm just showing you once again. We're gonna put yeah, this yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And she's like, Yeah, she goes, I tell that story all the time. I'm not ashamed of it, which again, mm-hmm. incredible Love because that. so many people would be like, Oh, okay, don't well, tell. it happened, yeah. but please don't tell anybody. And she's like, I tell talk about it all the time, and I think about it all the time as mm-hmm. an example. I don't think of it as an example of someone who stepped into someone's life as much as I think of it as of an example of someone who's willing to be so vulnerable to let people help them. Mm. Because for me, yeah. as a mom and a woman, that's what I struggle with the most. Me too. I, I don't struggle with helping other people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I struggle with letting other people help me yeah. and, and letting them tr- see the true
0: depth of my need in any one of these areas of my life. Totally. Totally. I was so struck by that. Like I was like yo, the vulnerability of this woman is, like, beyond. And, like, I felt convicted. Like, I don't know if I could have looked at one of my friends and been like, yes, I'm completely falling apart. Yup, come in here and see it all. Like, see how when my kids are acting like monsters, see when I am losing my, you know what, like when my house, right. ha- like that's really hard. But it also took a lot of bravery on your part too. Like, I also thought that like, would I have the guts to like march into someone's house and be like, I know something is wrong and I know you're not saying it, right? Like, Because I, like right. you said, I see you all the time. I talk to you all the time and you're not indicating that something's wrong, but I know something's wrong. Like, please, like- let me help you and let me be the bad guy. Like, I just love it. Like, I think that that was like, so, so amazing. And then also, I loved that later on in the book you talked about, you and I both have a shared love of Marco Polo. Yes. (laughs) I, anyone who has ever listened to this podcast for more than like, 10 seconds, know that I mentioned Marco Polo in like every other episode. I love Marco Polo. I'm like a walking billboard for them. I just like, it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing ever. And so when I was reading your book and you were saying, you know, you had gone from like that kind of a community. Right. Where it was like you guys were in each other's lives, like you loved each other, you knew each other, everything. And then you guys moved to Texas and it wasn't really that kind of a vibe. Like there wasn't a lot of active military around you. It didn't like you didn't have that experience. And you were like, you know, I was really needing connection. And so I started Marco Poloing my friends and I was like, "Ah, I do that all the time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I really do love it. And,
1: um, they actually have like an initiative to help like get more military people using the app and they've got these awesome like deals for military stuff. And I just love it. Like, I love that they're supporting that because it really is like, like you said, I, um, I did struggle with friendship when we first moved to Texas. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, I realized I didn't, really know how to make friends as an adult woman when there wasn't somebody or some kind of structure helping me do that. Like, like, you know, when I was lived in Virginia, like, yeah, I got Mm -hmm. signed to a street with people, same age kids, like right around, you know, the same stage of life. Like easy. Like they, that helped me. We lived in another place and i I knew one person there already from a previous duty station. And she like did all the work for me, like introduced me to everyone. And I didn't quite realize the time until you go somewhere and that isn't there. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Ooh, I like it's six months in and I still don't like, yeah, I know people, I say hi to people, but like, I'm not, I'm, I couldn't call them for a favor. Right. I couldn't, share something vulnerable, I couldn't, you know, if I like had an emergency, I would have no one to call. Like, yeah. and I'm lonely. I was desperately lonely and it took yeah. a lot of intentionality. Yeah. And then when my husband was in space, it was a different kind of loneliness because of course, it was like eight years later, I did, ha- I, I do have friends. now. So, like, right. spoiler, spoiler. I, I worked yeah. it out, but um, <laughs> you know, it was different because I was lonely, not because I didn't have friends, but because I didn't have a companion. Like yeah. I didn't have somebody to like, you think of all the like little stupid things you say, like when you're getting ready for bed and like all, or, or having breakfast or drinking coffee where you just, it's like, you don't want a whole conversation. Like if if I had a, if I had a big problem or I wanted a whole conversation, I could call these friends, I could call my parents, I could call right. my in-laws. Like they, they would love to hear from me. Fine. It's, it's the little things where you're like, I don't yeah. actually want a conversation. I just want to tell you that like, I saw a really weird looking dog on my walk yeah. today. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. And yeah. And I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it was weird looking like, yeah. and then you just say like, "Oh, that is weird. And you'd be like, yes. yes. And, be and, then move on. <laughs> yes. and then you move on. Totally. And like, yeah. And I didn't have that. And I was like, it, it was a real, different type of loneliness and mm-hmm. made me feel like disconnected from kind of community in a bigger mm-hmm. sense and definitely yeah. from my husband while he was gone. And so yeah, a friend uh was like, well, let's, I'm gonna polo you. And for those of you who don't use Marco Polo, that's the lingo we the use. The lingo is polo. Po- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna polo you. I'm gonna send you a polo. <laughs> and um well now, you know, so now now you know what to say. So you don't sound like an idiot when you're gonna use it. <laughs> okay. um, but she like we started Marco poloing each other. Yeah. Like stupid stuff. Like she would like, like at night. Like mm-hmm. I do it like right before I brush my teeth. Like, oh, mm-hmm. these like five stupid things that I want to get Absolutely. off my back. And then she'd marco polo me back. And maybe I'd listen to it at breakfast. And I think what I like about it versus like texting is mm-hmm. you see their face, yep. which I have learned is a big, you know, it makes a big difference, just words versus like seeing their face. And what I liked about it was that you can watch it later like yes. it's not live. Cause I'm like, I also don't have time for a communicate, like a, a conversation a ha- phone where call? we're both available. That's yeah, never no. going to happen. It's impossible. No. Yeah. And when I live alone, um, you know, my husband does like travel a lot. So that's a lot. I am a, like my routine is ridiculous. And like, <laughs> I totally throw away all healthy habits and I stay way <laughs> too late and I like binge watch Netflix and all this kind of stuff. So that usually means all those thoughts are happening like at 1130 PM. Sure. Well, I'm like, I can't, like text of like, or calls 30 or midnight, but you can solo that I can polo them. Yeah. They can watch it at breakfast when they get up in six hours, like whatever. And it was great.
0: I love it. Like I think everybody should use it. I think so too. I love it so much. So take us back to the beginning. All right. So you and your husband met each other when you were both cadets at West Point.
1: That's right. I know it's crazy because my son is there now. Oh, as a, he as is. Is. yes, he. This is his first summer.
0: Oh, and wow. my
1: son, who I was, I was like a late birthday. My son's a little bit of an early birthday. My son is now the same age as I was when I first met Drew, which is terrifying. Wow. Yeah, that terrifying. is terrifying because I'm that's like, true. oh, okay, Oops. no, my choices are not your choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other <laughs> other <laughs> other <laughs> other <laughs> whole parenting. You're not old enough. But, uh. That's right. Um, so yeah, um, we met when we were both cadets at West Point, and. It was, a you know, kind of a a funny thing because we are two very different types of people. Yeah. But we met and it just kind of clicked. And Mm -hmm. um, it was a great place to start our relationship because we had this shared foundation of what it is, like, not just to be in the military, but to to serve, like, to have a life that is really at its core dedicated to serving others, whether Mm -hmm. that is... um, you know, in the military, my husband's also a physician. And then later mm-hmm. as uh, an astronaut, like you're serving something other than just yourself. You're certainly mm-hmm. not in it for the money. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, and that's been like a huge, you know, thread of our story at just, and like kind of how we view ourselves as a team and as our, and our family. And obviously my son has picked up on that theme yeah. and is serving himself. So, um, yeah, so it was great. It was, a, it was, it was fun. Cause we were like, I'm always like, oh, look what I made. I made, like, I made you like, look how amazing my coach my life coaching was for the last
0: 25 years. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah. And then we got married after I graduated from undergrad and, um, Actually, like nine eleven hit mm-hmm. right after I gra- Like, so I graduated in two thousand. Nine mm-hmm. eleven was a year later, obviously, and that yeah. changed everything. I mean, we mm-hmm. when uh, when my husband was commissioned and he was halfway through medical school at the time, we had very different ideas of what our career was going to look like, and it was pre nine eleven, you know. Sure, and then yeah. that day happened. We were living in Washington D.C., and I mean, obviously, everything changed for for, for everybody in America, mm-hmm. but for us, we knew, oh, wow, like our whole, yeah. everything about our lifestyle, his career trajectory, everything was going to be different. And totally. in less than three years, you know, classmates and friends of ours were fighting and dying in Afghanistan. And yeah. that, that conflict really defined much of our lives for the next sure. 15, 20 years, really, you know, until recently. So that's been an interesting, um, kind of like background yeah. uh, to our own story and starting a family and. Mm-hmm. um And even my own work um, now that I work for Mops International and I'm the head of their military stuff. Like it's, you know, the needs are very different than they were 25 years ago. And Mm -hmm. the type of community that moms need is different because of the unique challenges of the U.S. military like at this point in time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, your 9-11 story, people, like we don't have time to get into it today, but you got to (laughs) read the book. Obvious. I mean, I keep I referenced your book, I think a few times already. Everyone, it's called The Astronaut's Wife, but we'll link it all in the show notes and everything. But it's such an amazing book. And your story of 9-11 ugh, like is really, really wild. Just being in DC. You walked like what nine miles? Or it was something. like eight miles. Um, and um, yeah, it was wild. And I know that, like, you know, um,
1: I guess I gave a talk maybe. I don't know, uh, eight years ago um, to a group of moms. And I told part of that 9-11 story. And I remember looking out in the audience and thinking, oh, a lot of you were like in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, like I thought in my mind, I'm thinking like, there used to be a time, yeah. you know, where you could say that into a group of people like, oh, well, where were you? Where were 9-11? You? And yeah. everyone was like, I was at work. I was in college or whatever.
0: And now sure. when you ask that, they're like,
1: I was um, at daycare. <laughs> no, totally.
0: Okay. So my husband and I, so we have an age gap. He's, uh, he's like eight years older than me. So when okay. we first started dating, you know, I was in my, we were both in our twenties when we started dating, but he felt funny about the fact that he was like eight years older than me. And like, it came to a head one time when I said something like, oh yeah, like nine 11, that was like so insane. Like, you know, cause I was here in Jersey. So a lot of my friends had parents that worked in the city. It was really crazy. I was in seventh grade. And my husband just stopped and stared at me. And we were dating at the time, and he was like, You were what? And I was like, in seventh painful. grade. And he painful. was like, I was in college. I want to die. Like he was like, I oh, think you just said that. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What are you gonna do? What are That's you gonna do? That's right. That's right. But I will say, like, um, the reason I share that 9-11 story in the book is because. What that did for us as, as a family, as, for us as a couple and for me personally, was it put this idea of risk into a different perspective. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we go through life thinking like I can I can control how much risk my life has. And the reality is that there are huge pieces of risk that we either just accept and we don't even think about it, like driving on a highway at night, sure. you know, or yeah. climbing up a la- a two-story ladder and trying to hang Christmas lights. Like yep. that's actually really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then there's these huge things that can happen that we could never have foreseen, like 9-11. And when that happens, it like Really messes with us because yeah. all these false ideas we have about life and mortality and risk, like all of a sudden it's exposed for like how just you know it was all in our heads, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, I we, we really we're not natural risk takers, but we are what I say in the book is like we are risk really good risk assessors, yeah, yeah. and we realize that like there's a lot of things worth risking in life, whether that's jumping out of an airplane or mm-hmm. publishing a book or, you know, yeah. or changing jobs or moving across the country or having a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shouldn't be looking at risk as something to be avoided, but actually yeah. something that maybe can be an indicator that like, God is offering you something really cool mm-hmm. and, you know, you can take it or leave it. Right. Like his plans mm-hmm. do not hinge on you raising your hand, <laughs> you know, yeah. and the opportunity will just pass. Um, mm-hmm. But cool story. So I had written a lot about skydiving. This, I wrote there's yeah. a chapter. In that chapter, I'm talking about skydiving because I think everybody should skydive once yes. in their life. Because every as soon as you say, oh, I could never fill in the I blank, know. whatever it is. And for yeah. a lot of people, it is, I could never jump out of an airplane. I think it's my theory. That shows... That you've put that thing that you believe you are protecting on too much of a pedestal in mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. And so if somebody's like, well, I could never give money because I don't have money. Well, then they've you've put like money security on a pedestal. I could never yeah. jump out of an airplane because like I falsely believe that I could completely control the amount of like bodily harm I have in my yeah. life. Right. Yeah. So and I think when you when you face those risks head on, it it rewires your brain in a good way to like look at risk as something to consider every once yeah. in a while as something to do. So I got a phone call from a coworker of mine um, just last week. And she was like, I'm thinking about skydiving. I want you to talk me through it. Talk me and, through it. Yeah. And I'm like, great. What questions do you have? So we talked for like 30 minutes. And she says, um, well, I said, well, why do you, like, what sparked this? And she goes, oh, well, my my 18-year-old son, because you have to be 18 to skydive, mm-hmm. um, asked me to do it. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. But what's interesting is that this friend of mine, this coworker, she has a terminal illness. Uh, Like she has an untreatable cancer mm -hmm. and she's our age. She's my age. Mm -hmm. And she has young kids. And, um, she said, I said, you know, I said, your son will remember this with you forever because she is facing her mortality head on in a way that most of us just are unable to never will. And she knows that she only has a limited amount of time. And so huh. she, when she thinks of these life moments, it's not just like, oh, that would be fun. Like yeah. she thinks about these life moments as like, these are moments that my children will remember about me when I am no longer living. Yeah. And so I said, well, well, that seals the deal then, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. your, your son wants to have this moment with you. And she was like, yeah. She goes, when you put it like that, there's no question, of course, I'm going to jump out of this airplane. doesn't matter how scared I am. doesn't matter how how much I want to throw up when I think about it. Sure. I want to share this moment with my son. And he will tell his grandchildren about yeah. the time his he mom will. jumped out of an airplane with him, even though she was, she had a terminal illness. And it's going to be like a seminal moment. And like talking to her, like I cried. I was you know? just say,
0: I'm like getting weepy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now what I didn't know was that she was going to do it the next day, Ugh. the next morning. No joke. I get up. I like, I'm eating lunch, a phone, like ding, my phone dings. I look, there's a picture of her She and it says, we did it. And it's her and her son Aww. on the job. Board, and I like bawled. I was I'm like, sure. oh my God. I was like, first of all, I would have changed the top conversation. You yeah. told me it's going to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like it was amazing. It was amazing. And I just, I'm like, that's what we all need. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's risky for sure. Nothing's like 100% foolproof, 100% safe, but like, that's how life is. And I love that she, like, she's just seeing life with far more clarity than the rest of us. And I'm like, oh man, like everybody needs to do, to live life like that. Like there's discomfort. I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to want to throw up, but this is a, this is a memory forever. This is a life moment, not just for me, but for the Mm -hmm. people who will join me in that. Like incredible.
0: Incredible. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I really do. Because like, you know, like my husband's gone skydiving, but I was like, I could never, which is exactly what you just said. Like that's, (laughs) that's the language I use. Like I could never, but you're right. Like, what is that revealing? Like, if you're like, I could never do that. It's like you really have, like you've put it up on a pedestal and you're so right. It's like, we think, and it is kind of like insane because like statistically, like you are far more likely to die driving to the grocery store than jumping out of a plane. That's right. But that's just so wild. So speaking of risk though, so you and your husband, okay, so you graduate from West Point, you have kids, you go through all this stuff. And then when- did space come into your life? Like what happened?
1: Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, you hear these people who are like, oh, well, every day of my life since I was in kindergarten, I've told everyone I've ever met that right. I want to do this. Right. So literally one day I'm making dinner and I'm probably annoyed because I hate making dinner. Me too. <laughs> I hate it so much. And my husband walks in and he's like uncharacteristically giddy and he is not a giddy guy. So this is yeah. like weird. And he's uh-huh. like, you're not going to believe it. But <laughs> Huge news. Huge! NASA is opening the application window for the next class of astronauts, and I look at him like, "Cool." So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what does like, it have I'm, to do I'm, with yeah, us? Like, this has nothing to do. With- so, in my mind, I literally, I'm like, I'm thinking, maybe we're just sharing random pieces of information <laughs> with each other. <laughs> like, oh, I heard this on the radio, you know. So I was like, oh, wow, well, like chicken is on sale at the comic, <laughs> and he's like, no, I, I want to apply, which he might as well have told me he wanted to like build a rocket in our own backyard and sure. try to shoot because we at the, at the time, you know, he's an army physician, but we've always been in special forces and the special, the special operations community. And in order to thrive in that world, you got to be all in yeah, like yeah, super yeah. deep in. And we were super deep in, like mm-hmm. this is a fully committed life for everyone in your family, from yeah. kids to spouse to everybody. Yeah. And so the idea of like taking our train and lifting it up off those tracks and putting it on a completely different set of tracks was like, yeah, terrifying, confusing. Um, We were supposed to be moving to Germany in less than a year, which was like the dream assignment. Cause like, once you get into, once you get to Europe, you can like kind of move around. We're like, this is an amazing cultural experience. Like in in my mind, I am already wearing Lederhosen, like (laughs) celebrating October. You have arrived. I I am happy. This is happening, right? So all of a sudden, all these plans, and I'm sure you can relate, like in your mind, even if you've never verbalized them out loud, you have plans and you have, you are, you are counting on those plans because it just helps you like go in a straight line in life to know like, this is where we're going. This is where we're headed. And then when somebody comes along and says, how would you feel about crumpling up all those plans and going in the opposite direction? Yeah. And like maybe trying something different that if it doesn't happen, very small chance of it happening. And if it doesn't happen, could jeopardize all these other plans that you've had. like. Um, how would you feel about that? You're like, heck no, no. I think I'd like to stay with the original plan. Thank you very much. So he was, so I kind of like stared at him. Like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. Like, this does not make any sense whatsoever in the context of our life. Right. And he was like, well, you know, I have always been interested in this. I think this would be an incredible opportunity. Like, I just want to try the likelihood of being selected minuscule. Sure. But they, at the time they had never selected an army physician before ever in the history of NASA. Wow. So it was like, it's not going to happen. He was yeah. like, don't worry. Don't worry. We're still going to Germany. Uh-huh. Still so, like, you know, you can still be like checking Amazon for... Yeah, yeah. Lederhosen sizes. Like, Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so we applied and it's about a year long process and there are these kind of these gates and he just kept making
0: every gate. And every and and time it, every, he's like overjoyed time. and you're like... He's like, oh,
1: ah. uh, you know, it goes from like thousands of people down to hundreds, down to a sure. hundred, down to 50. Wow. And each time... You know, obviously the people you meet are incredible. And each round he'd be like, these these people are, are amazing. They're all like, not only are they all they are like incredibly accomplished, but they're like oh, like super nice. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you wish you could hate him, but you can't because yeah, just yeah. so nice. And he's like, there's no way, there's no way. It's gonna be, it's gonna be somebody else. It's it's not gonna be me. And um and then it was, you know, I was at the grocery store. We knew we we were literally less than a week out from having to put our minivan on the boat that would take it to Germany. Oh my God. And I said, Drew, we can't, like if there's any chance that they could select you, we cannot put this car yeah. on the boat. Because if yeah. we are not, if we are not there to meet it in like six yeah. weeks, we're never seeing this car again. A hundred percent. He's like, all right, well, let's just wait a few more days and, um, so I was at the grocery store, which like where else would I be on a Tuesday? Uh, right, you know whatever. And um, he calls and he's like, "Where are you?" I'm like, "I'm duh, I'm at the grocery store." Where do you think I am? Yeah. He said, "I need you to get home as quickly as possible." And I pulled into the like I had like a oh I like, was with me. We pull in the garage and he's waiting for me and he says, "They've I I did it. They they've invited me in." And I was like. <sighs> Oh, like you're both like equally Uh, excited. It's amazing. And then you're like, and then of course the logical part of your brain is like, just take a second to think about all the logistics that we're going to have to unravel. So we had to, and it was like, okay, we've got one month. We like, I think his first day of work was like August 1st or something like that. This was mid June. So we had to unravel everything for Germany, resubmit everything for Texas, like move down, like buy a house enroll kids in school, all the the things, you know, on a super quick timeline. Um, When we were like a realtor's dream, we're like, show us the five houses that are available. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Anything that you have, we'll take it. I need to be under contract in three days. Yes. Um, And uh, yeah, and it was was a whirlwind, you know, and then then here we were like totally new life, totally new environment, like new mission, new everything. Yeah. You know, and then how
0: long was it until he went to space.
1: Yes, well we got here in 2013 he's part of the 2013 class mm-hmm. and he launched in 2019 so six about 6 years which at the time that that was pretty typical like your training okay. training pipeline is about 2 years uh-huh. and then you you're waiting for your turn. So wow. at the time we were launching just on Soyuz we didn't start launching from Florida on SpaceX Crew Dragon until just like less than 2 years ago. Right. So from pretty much 2011 to 2021, that 10-year period, the only way for astronauts from any country, not just Americans mm-hmm. and Russians, but any country to
0: get to and from the International Space Station was to ride a Russian rocket. Which I had no idea about that at all. Like that's right. I, I was space illiterate and I was reading your book and I was like, whoa, I had no idea. Like, that's so wild. Yeah, it was totally wild. I really, I mean...
1: I'm the first to admit, like when we got down here, I had a lot of learning to do. Yeah, yeah. I was like, the shuttle had ended, so I sure, was like, yeah. I, I don't even know, like what are mm-hmm. we even doing? Where are we even going? Mm-hmm. So there was a steep learning curve where I like read a lot of stuff, watched a lot of videos. My Drew, my Drew made me watch the right stuff, and like, yeah, yeah, you know, we rewatched Apollo 13, like all yeah. the movies, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and then, um, but yes, but it was cool. I mean, obviously, now in the geopolitical climate and the fact that we are launching from Florida, things are different. Um, mm-hmm. But in that. In, at that time, it was cool. Like, so we were allowed to bring a certain number of guests. They had to pay yeah. their own way, but we were given so many spots. Sure. And we flew to Moscow, had mm-hmm. a couple days in Moscow to kind of do some, some really cool sightseeing. Because, you know, most Americans, you don't like... You yeah, to go to Moscow you no. know, in your life. And that was really cool. And then you fly to Kazakhstan, which is actually where the Russians launched their rockets. Um, Kazakhstan's a former Soviet republic. Mm-hmm. So it was built at the height of the space race. Um, and now they kind of still maintain control of it uh, mm-hmm. through the Kazakh government. And it's the craziest place. It looks like something out of Mad Max um, wow. because it was built in the middle of nowhere. It was built to be secret and hidden from American eyes and they picked the perfect place. Like it's in the middle of nothing. Um, It's both this um, mix of obviously like high technology. I mean, you're launching rockets, but then it's, you know, Kazakhstan, this part of the Kazakhstan, the high desert, there's wild camels like wandering around the outside of town. So you're like, this this place is weird. Where are we? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so we went and, um, it's it's not like Florida, like all the, the visions you have of shuttle launches are currently Crew Dragon launches from Florida where there's like right. a lot of, um, you know, it's green and colorful and grandstands yeah. and countdown clocks. Like, it's not like that in Kazakhstan. You yeah. go out in the middle of a field and there's no clock. There's mm-hmm. no announcements telling you what's going on. You just have to know, like, okay, at exactly this time, they're gonna launch that rocket. And um that's it's very it's a very precise time because that's how they Mm -hmm. catch the space station. And and there we were only a mile away when the rocket launched and it was intense. I mean it was it was overwhelming like in every sense of the world, word physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. um just uh I, I don't think I was fully prepared for how overwhelmed I would but I was going to feel really in that moment.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like not only is that moment so overwhelming, like beyond words that anybody really, like no one can relate to it, but I loved how in the book you talked a lot about like the week leading up to it was like really intense. Like it's like, you're, you're there with like your kids and your guests that got to come, but it's like your husband's like in quarantine and it's like, you're like doing all these different things and you have like a- Shaper, what what's the term you use? Yeah, like we have an escort and an has to escort be with us everywhere. At all times. Yes, yes. So it was yes. like just like kind of crazy. And my favorite thing was in the book on page seventy nine, you like gave like your inner thoughts about how like that week you were feeling really exhausted. You had all your kids, like, and you were getting a lot of help from like your in laws, your parents, like whoever was there, and they were like kind of handling the kids while you were like kind of having a tough time. And you said this was kind of like what was going through your head. You said. These are your children, so they're your responsibility. You shouldn't need this much help with your own kids. You've already asked these people to sacrifice so much to be here with you. You can't ask them to do more. What's the big deal? You're not that special. Plenty of other astronaut spouses have done this before. You're not the first and you won't be the last. Quit being so emotional. You're being high maintenance and just making things harder for everybody. You invited these people with you on this trip, but you're not being much of a hostess. Plenty of people single parent and have hard lives. Your stress is nothing. Thing compared to other people's real stress. You chose this life. You knew this would happen. You made your bed. Now you have to lie in it. I stopped in my tracks when I read that whole section. And I was like, I do this to myself every other day. Like literally, you know, like my husband's away traveling for work right now. Not that big right. a deal. Hello. It's not nine months in space. It's like a week. But like, <laughs> I find myself like, oh, like- oh, the kids are like, this is hard. Or, oh man, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, Caitlin, stop asking for help. Like you don't need help. Like suck it up. There's people that have it so much worse. Like you need to like get it together. Like, and then it's like that shaming makes it worse. You know what I mean? Cause then it's like, you're accepting the help, but you're not even really reaping the benefits of getting the help because you're shaming yourself. Are you an Enneagram one by any chance? I'm an Enneagram eight. Okay, so
1: we really have issues with control. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so, yeah. And so like, uh, relinquishing control because I can't handle it is like, uh, a real problem.
0: Yeah, I'm a one. So I have like a really loud inner critic and Mm -hmm. I can be very like type A, like very just like, this is how we do things. This is how it's supposed to be. Right. You know, it's very black and white. You know what I mean? Like I'm the mom, so I should be doing blah, blah, and blah. You know what I mean? And so I really loved though, like watching your journey of like really struggling with that. Like at first, like really struggling to like not be doing what in your mind you were supposed to be doing. And then like slowly kind of like learning over time, like, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let this go. Like tell right. us a little bit about that like journey for you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think honestly, like that trip was so overwhelming Ugh. that it doesn't matter. Like you could be like the like super mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would yeah. break, it would break super mom, you know, really like you said, that week is not just, I mean, it's foreign travel. So you're mm-hmm. already like, you know, your jet bowels lagged. are screwed up, yes. you're jet yes. lagged, you totally. sleeping well, like, and then throw in, oh, I don't know, all your family members, like throw Everyone. a little <laughs> the family dynamics totally. and then yeah, weird food. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that there is a rocket launch at the end of this. And so leading up to it, it feels like you're planning a wedding, except yeah. at the end, instead of like a wedding ceremony, there's your spouse may blow up. <laughs> yeah. oh, and yeah. then and then there's all these like you said there's like these press conferences and then mm-hmm. um sometimes we could see them sometimes we couldn't sometimes I'd have time with them but there's like this it's like this emotional roller coaster of like do this then we say goodbye and then tomorrow we're going to say goodbye again and like yeah. this time but there's always a camera there so you can't be like uh you <laughs> like
0: mm-hmm. you have to be like yeah you have to be like we're gotta, really yeah, happy you got the whole thing yeah
1: and um and it's just it's so draining that by the end you're like i just want this rocket to go like yeah. can we just i just want this to end you know yes. like this is this is so exhausting and i had no like even if even though i wanted to be able to handle everything i could not it was just yeah. like i had to let like it was like my hands were pried open by life because it was like, yeah, I have to ask for help. I have no choice. I don't know that I would have reached the full depth of understanding about like letting people help me and overcoming those kind of thoughts like that, unless I had had such an extreme experience like that one. Sure. Because then when I went, when we came home, mm-hmm. and now it's like regular life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Drew's in space. Yes. And there's all these unique challenges with that. But a lot of the stress comes from, Having to maintain just regular life, like yeah, oh, I have to take the trash out. I got to drive my kids to practice. I have to mm-hmm. like make dinner again. Like, why mm-hmm. do they want to eat every day? I like, know it's know? so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I got to keep track of all the du- I mean, it's and and plus my Everything. own work and my own mental yeah. health. I mean whatever. And um and I think, but be, because I saw okay these people rallied around me and they helped me and they did not do the things that my inner critic was telling me that they were going to do. Like judge me, shame me, make me feel like, well, I guess I'll help you. But like now you owe me or something like whatever. I don't know, whatever that craziness our brain tells us is going to happen when none of that happened. And they just helped me because they love me Mm -hmm. because they're my family or my friends or whatever. Like it, it like kind of, it, challenged my preconceived notions about being honest about needing help and asking for help. And I was like, man, all right, well, if I can do that, then maybe, maybe I can be honest about the fact that when I ask you if you want to carpool, what I actually mean is, can you take my kid both directions? Yes. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm not actually interested in carpooling. I actually just want a ride. <laughs> I love but, that. You know, yes. Or when somebody's like, can I, like, how can I help you? Which, you know, mm-hmm. I always tell people like, don't just be like, "Call me if you need me." They're never going to call you. No, be, be I like, agree. "I'm I'm will do this for you," or say, "Can I do this or this?" Whatever. But people mean good when they say sure. that. And yeah. so I was like, you know what? I I need to have like a little list of things that if somebody's like, I really want to do something, like what can I do mm-hmm. so that I can actually tell them something? Yes, like, because because what I realized was like they weren't just helping me because it helped me. They wanted to help me because it also made them feel a part of it all. Yeah. And and they feel good afterwards. And like, they want to because- Like not to make them sound selfish, but because it, they feel good doing it too. Like they want to. yeah. And so the ability to be like, yeah, actually I would love it if you could drop my kid off after that from Mm -hmm. home and so I don't have to go get them. Or, um, yeah, if you want to like order us a pizza on Friday night and have it delivered, like
0: that would be amazing.
1: Or, you know, and people will be thoughtful and they would just like send me a Starburst gift card or they'd send me a text and be like, Hey, I just thought about you today. Like no. Mm -hmm. No need to respond. Just Mm -hmm. wanted to say hi. And you're like, wow, I love that. Like, Yeah, (laughs) totally. You know, I mean, just, it it changed my openness, I -hmm. think, to being honest about my own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Like really just more realistic about my own shortcomings. And and when people offer help taking it, again, like talking about Amber, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she hit rock bottom. She had no choice. She had to accept the help. Mm -hmm. And we would be you know, wise to learn from that. Like, but mm-hmm. we don't have to hit rock bottom bef- before yeah. we need help, you know? And it's also helped me like, as I've come out of that and now I'm, you know, in a position to to have more margin to help people. Like if I know I'm driving past that person's house and their kid's going the same place, my, like just yeah. text them and say like, can I pick up your kid? Like, yes. You know? I'm here anyway. Yeah. That's right. If like, if you're ordering pizza and like, or the pizza. You know, or yes. pizza for somebody yeah. else, you know, yeah. or like, don't make a big show of things. Just, just, just do it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't second guess yourself. I think I realized both on both the giving and the receiving ends, I was constantly second guessing myself. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what are they, what if they think, what will they think if I do this? Or what mm-hmm. does it say about me if I accept this help? And I realized that's all in my head.
0: It's all in my yeah. head. I yeah. do all of that. Yes. You're so right. It's like we second guess ourselves so much. Yeah. Like, and it really is so silly. Like just, who's so going to be silly. mad at you for bringing them a coffee? You know That's what it. I mean? I mean, to t-
1: just to show you like a story that shows you how like incredibly pervasive that that negative mindset is about not wanting to bother people. While Drew is in space, this isn't in the book, but while Drew Drew's in space, I got the flu. Now, I didn't oh. know I had the flu. All I knew is that I ended up on my bathroom floor. Like, you know how when you're feeling sick and you're like, well, maybe the problem is that my bra's too tight. <laughs> so
0: you're like, you know what I mean? Like the crazy most things. You're, like, go yes, back to you're that. like, you know what? Yeah.
1: The solution is I put on sweatpants and a yes. sweatshirt and I take my bra. Yes. So I do that. Fast forward an hour later, I'm laying on the bathroom floor, unable to move. And I'm oh. the only adult in my house. Oh. And at some point, I think I actually like, I don't know, but I was so weak. I could not get off the floor. I mean, I had like full blown, something was terribly wrong. And luckily I had my cell phone Mm -hmm. and honestly, I was a little scared. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's scary when you're the only adult and you got kids in the house and you're thinking like something is terribly wrong. And so I was like, okay, I, I need to call someone and ask for help. And I'm reaching for the phone. And I actually, it was almost like I could, I could almost audibly hear it, but my own voice and my head said, are you sure you're really that sick? Do we really want to inconvenience someone? Yeah. Like it was like the first time, like hearing it so clearly, I was like, I mean, I I actually paused for a second, I'm like, do I want to inconvenience someone? And the response <gasps> was no. Literally, I'm, I'm literally on, the, on the, floor. the floor, yeah, braless, unable yeah. to get up, like. Ugh. And I mean, long story short, like I I had to call this friend, and I was like, I'm in I'm in trouble. I'm on the floor. I yeah. can't get up. I'm so sick. Like. And she called somebody who called somebody. And then yeah. she, you know I have three people in my bathroom, including two friends who are doctors. And uh, this, you know, my friend's husband is like helping me get into bed. And I'm like,
0: you're like oh, oh, should I shouldn't get that bra yeah. on. I should have kept the
1: bra Like, you know, um, and uh, but but that's how Powerful, our yeah. inner critic, that inner mom monologue is is like. Totally, I would rather die than literally. inconvenience someone. Like literally, yeah. Like put myself or my children at risk before yes. I inconvenience someone. That's crazy. It's town. insane. That's crazy talk. That's how dangerous like the isolated mindset is when we do not live in community with other people and we can't overcome that like that inner voice because it does not tell you the truth.
0: Yeah. It is
1: it is skewing your perception. Like those friends were so they were like, thank God you called us.
0: yeah, we're
1: like we were we are happy to help you. like yes, like they didn't
0: even notice it in a bra yeah, right I mean? exactly yeah. exactly it's yeah. like, and people in our lives want to do that for us, they want you know to. But, oh, you're so right. Like we would literally put ourselves in danger before yes. we would feel comfortable asking for help sometimes that's right. And you know logically that that's nuts, but in the moment it doesn't feel nuts. That's right. And I'm trying to get better about on the other side
1: of it, knowing that everybody struggles with this. It doesn't matter how confident someone is on the outside, no matter how arrogant someone is on the outside. Right. Everybody, every mom, every woman struggles with this. Like, so like just this week, a friend of mine is going to be moving. And I was like, hey, you tell me like I'm blocking off that weekend. And she Mm -hmm. said, in typical mom form, you've done so much already. Don't worry about it. And I said, listen, (laughs) I have blocked off the weekend. Mm -hmm. I want to help you and you are my friend. That's the end of the story. Yes, And I'm trying to get better about like verbalizing that directly to people because I just feel like it, hopefully that goes a little bit to overcome whatever that internal dialogue Mm -hmm. is telling her. Yeah. That like, well, oh, I can't ask her to come here and do this. She's already done so much. Like, yeah. no. And it's not even a thing because you're my friend. Like that's mm-hmm. just what friends do. And yeah. I'm not, it does not feel like work. It is not a hassle. I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to secretly grumble behind your back that you're so needy or all the other things that we convince ourselves are going to do. Totally. I just want to be there for you and help
0: you. Like yes. hard stop. Oh, uh, I love that. I love it. So All right, so he was in space for nine months. Yes. Four kids, you're at home. Did you ever feel like a little resentful? Like, you're off having an adventure of a lifetime, and here I am, like, with the flu on the bathroom floor alone. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is fun. Or, like, where were you at with that, kind of emotionally? Yeah, I mean... it could,
1: it could, I could, it could easily go there, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there's a lot of yeah. like things, and it, your spouse does not have to be an astronaut in order to feel like that, you know. Right. Um, yeah. I felt like that when he went off to work, and I was lonely and didn't have any friends. Like, yeah. how dare, how dare you go yes. off to work well you mm-hmm. will meet other people, while I'm right. trapped in my house alone? Um, you know his his work schedule up there. It is. There is this misconception, I think,
0: um, mm-hmm. that every day up there is like a floating party. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yes, I learned <laughs> that, you so, Reading your book, I really was like, yikes, because I thought that. Hello, I'm yeah. like, they're up I mean, in space, be, they're floating yeah. around, they're doing somersaults. Oh. It's like so cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every YouTube video you watch is like, <laughs> yeah. watch me spin this banana into my mouth. They're like, let me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. let me toss
1: M&Ms in the yep. air and we'll play with water bald blobs. Or yeah. Whatever, yeah. You know, totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. And, and the reason, you know, and it is a lot of fun. I mean, and mm-hmm. he, he would be the first, sure. one, every astronaut. It's an amazing experience. Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. That's why people, that's why billionaires are paying billions of dollars right. to try to, to do it. Right. Yes. Um, but you know, there are, it's like anything, right. There are really hard days. His schedule was like crazy, yeah. crazy full, like just unusually uh, full and challenging. You, of course, I mean, think about, like, imagine if you had to, like, think of all your coworkers or even your own family members. Imagine mm-hmm. being trapped, like, in a public bathroom with them for, like, a week, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, no, Like, things yeah. would get dicey, you know? Yep. Now, and that's how it is. Like, he was on the station with, in total, for the entire nine months, he only saw, like, 11 different people.
0: Yeah. That's like and, really yeah. trippy. That so really you,
1: is. and the, yeah. And there's no getting away from them. There's no like, I'm going to go take a walk. Like, yeah. You know, I need some like, space. Yeah. There is literally there's no space else to go. There's yeah. no space in space. You are, you are, <laughs> uh, everything is, is out there, you know, yeah. and you're sharing one bathroom. Yeah. You know, you are like every, I mean, it's just super challenging. And so you mm-hmm. get weird dynamics sometimes you get conflict, mm-hmm. you know? So there is amazing. It's like 50% awesome, but it's also 50% like, slog, you know, and hard work and weird dynamics and people who wake up on the wrong side of the bed and they just like are having a bad day and, or they get bad news from friends back at home or, you know, like, and and they, and there's also a sense of disconnection. Like, yeah, I'm doing something amazing. But like, meanwhile, life is going on down on earth that I'm not a part of. And I think that's a challenge for astronauts who are parents. Like time seems to speed up on earth when you are in space because their days are so um structured and and very similar they have no weather changes they have like mm-hmm. you know all, all those kind of things that we would normally use to kind of pass the time mentally they don't have that and so mm-hmm. things feel like time kind of slows down but meanwhile they're watching their kids like i mean our kids were totally different when he came back of course. 9 months later Like literally our son went from like shorter than him to taller than him. Like, yeah, the girls had like, at least one of my daughters had clicked from like little girl into like woman. And it was like, yikes, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, it was all the things. I mean, think of how friends change, Mm -hmm. uh, classes change. They went to a, they finished a complete school year while he was gone. Life was just different. And so that was really, um, yeah, that was tough. Yeah. It was really tough. So on that sense, there wasn't, the resentment for me because right. it's like, yeah, I certainly am carrying. Like we knew going into it, I will be carrying one hundred percent of the load. Like, let's not pull any right. punches, buddy. Exactly, like, he can't do anything. Yeah. Up the, you yeah. can't. You cannot do anything. Yeah, he can't sign and, the permission slip. Yeah, that's right. And you can't. Like, and I don't. Your time is so limited in communicating with the kids. Like, I don't want you to use your your five minutes on the phone with them to be like lecturing them about sure. responsibility and cleaning yeah. up that whatever. Like. I want that to be a positive interaction. Yeah. And that means I'm the bad guy as me, you know, I'm, I'm the good and the bad. I'm both parents. I'm all of it. Mm -hmm. And we went into that knowing that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that helped, but you know, there were some days where it was like, Hey, uh, you know, he'd call and I'd be like, I, uh, this is not a good day. I can't talk right (laughs) now. I can't talk right now. Right. Like a million things going on. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like I'm not in the right headspace to like tell you how proud I am of you or how amazing this is. And it's like every
0: time you talk to him, you can't be like in utter awe. That's right. You know what I mean? Like at some point it's like, you're in space. We get it.
1: Exactly. And it's like, I mean, the kids adjust to it so quickly that after a while, it's like, he's videoing with them and he's like literally doing somersaults and they're like, Cool. Oh, well, I'm like, like, my friends are waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh my yeah, gosh, like...
0: like womp, womp. Yeah, you're yeah. going
1: to regret this 30 years from now when yeah. you realize that. But um, yeah, so now, you know, I think we had to be honest with each other. Like, mm-hmm. we've learned that too. Like, mm-hmm. the resentment builds when you're not honest with each other about, yeah. like, the reality of the situation of, like, hey, I'm having a hard day and I I just, I don't have anything left to give you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And... Or he'd be like, hey, I'm exhausted. And um, so unless there's something like really, really that you need to tell me like emergency, Mm -hmm. this, whatever, then maybe we just like not talk to yeah, you know. yeah. And, and, and not take that personally too of to like, course oh, you don't love me you don't care for me like yeah no, it's not that it's just the, re- the reality of our situation so totally I think we had different challenges and mm-hmm. I I had to express sympathy to like well yeah that dynamic stinks especially because you can't get away from that person and yeah, he, yeah. You know, and then I, I did I did also say like I need to hear you acknowledge that you really appreciate that I'm carrying the whole load yes
0: that's and, so, oh, that's yeah. amazing to yeah. just verbalize that. Like, and I, you know. Yeah. And
1: it feels weird, but it took like, tw- you know, that's what, 20 plus years of marriage. For sure. To be like, all right, the, I really need to hear you say that. Like, yeah. just, I, I don't need you to do anything yeah. because you can't. I just need you to acknowledge that you see it mm-hmm. and that you know it mm-hmm. and that you would not be able to do what you are doing right now if not for me. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's all. And wise has, you know wise spouses, whether man or female, whatever, are like.
0: Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you. I get it totally. You know? Yeah. Ooh, I love yeah. that. I love that so much. So, listen. Your book is called "The Astronaut's Wife: How Launching My Husband Into Outer Space Changed the Way I Live on Earth." Which I just love that so much. If you, this is a large question to go out on, but if you had I- to like sum it up. You know, like overall, how did launching your husband into outer space change how you live on earth?
1: I think it made me realize that life is not meant to be lived alone, like in any sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And that you need to get yourself into community with Mm -hmm. friends, with um, people who care about you. You gotta Mm -hmm. be willing to take risk. Like that there is a full life out there for you. And if Mm -hmm. you're waiting for something massive to happen to you before you like, Go do it. Like sure. Stop waiting. You know, yeah. like I'm not the one who launched into space, mm-hmm. you know, but that experience changed me and my life, my kids' life, because we made the most of our side of it mm-hmm. while he was gone. Yeah. And so that's true no matter what, where you live. If you have kids, if you don't have kids, if your spouse does weird things or doesn't do weird things, like sure, you know, um, that like you have a choice to live your life in a way that says, I believe that there's a purpose for me Mm -hmm. and that like there's adventure and challenge and love and friendship out there, or I can live a life that I'm fearful and afraid Mm -hmm. and just reactionary to whatever happens to me. And I, but I get to choose. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's why like that first chapter, not only do I talk about the launch, but making that choice between am I going to live a life from this point out dictated by either fear Mm-hmm. Or faith that no matter what happens, and of course, faith not not necessarily that's going to have a good outcome. That like the, the yeah. faith is that no matter what happens, good or bad, that there's a purpose in that, and that yeah. you know there's a there's a purpose in that for your life, and that because and the reason I put that in chapter one is because without that, like everything else builds off of that. Mm-hmm. Like you can't embrace risk if you're not if you don't have faith that like whatever yeah. happens, it's going to be good for you. You know you yeah. can't you can't be vulnerable and open to friendships if you're not willing to have faith that like, that's what God wants for you. And that's how we're designed to want to live in community with other people. Like all those things build off of that, that idea. You get to choose what kind of life do you want to live? And if Mm -hmm. you're living your life afraid, which I think a lot of people are, and it's Mm -hmm. not just afraid of like physical harm, but it could be losing a job or losing a spouse or, you know, being alone forever or whatever it is. You don't have to live like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's natural to be afraid, but you get to choose what to do with that fear.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so. there's so much more in the book. Like I want people to know, like we didn't do like an exhaustive summary here. There's so much more, like I have notes of other things I, I would love <laughs> to ask you, like, but you know, time is time. So like, honestly, people, like it's such a good read. And the, something that I found like so interesting about your book was that it was oddly relatable. And I say oddly because it's like, you're an astronaut's wife. I'm not
1: at all. You know what I
0: mean? Like, so you would think, like, I think I picked it up thinking like, this is just going to be this like really interesting story that has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? And it's just like really fascinating. And it was really fascinating. But also I related to so many of the things that you talked about, which just kind of like comes down to, like, you know, our tagline for this podcast is like that it's a story-based podcast about our shared human experience. And it really just shows like, There really is something to that, like that we have shared human experiences and emotions. And even if our lives look absolutely nothing alike, we can still relate. Like, you know, I loved, like I said, I loved hearing about the stuff with your friendships and learning how to ask for what you need. And just that whole section that we didn't even get to, I loved about when you said that you started to feel more free because you were letting things go. Like there's just like so much good stuff. So I really encourage people to read it. We can get your book like on Amazon, like wherever we get books. That's right.
1: All the places. And I'll just add, I um, have committed to donating all of my book proceeds to charities that support military families. So like I set up a 5013C that Mm -hmm. all, like all of my money, like literally every cent, from the book sales goes to that. So what I tell people oh, is I like, buy a copy. If you, uh, if you hate it, the worst thing that happened is that like that 15 bucks went to support military families. Exactly. And then if you love it, buy 10 more copies and give one to all your friends. Totally. Share it on social media and help me make it a bestseller.
0: Absolutely. Now, and there's an audio book, right? And don't you read it? Yes.
1: I, yes, I do. So love you can, that. you can, you can hear all my, uh, Nuance <laughs> if you listen to the audio. I clip. like
0: that. I like when an author reads an audiobook, I think it totally just like bumps it up a notch. I really do. Well, that is amazing. Where can we find you online? So probably the easiest way is
1: on Instagram. Okay. Um, I am at Stacy Morgan 2000, like two zero zero zero. And then I also have a website, StacyMorgan2000.com and I have a blog on there and a link to podcast interviews like this one, mm-hmm. um, a link to book information. And then the book landing page is theastronautswife.com. So easy to remember. Love and um, and that links again, all to my Instagram and um, website. So it's, you can find me if you're looking. Amazing. I'm there.
0: Amazing. And there's so much information on all those places about like the work you do with mops and all of that stuff that again, we didn't get to get you today, but it's all on there, people. So interesting. Stacey, thank you so much for your time today. This was such a good conversation. I love it. So fun. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.